So when we started the sermon series, I didn't necessarily plan on having uh, the perfect example for why we're better together, but I do this morning, and I want to share it with you. Our family is on day seven without power, um, and some of you I know are with us in that. Some of you are on day seven as well without power, and so we, can, we kind of got to commiserate together a little bit this, this morning and talk about that experience. And uh, for, for those of you that, you know, you city folk, you don't know what's going out in the country. And uh, so it's been, it's been pretty wild. The snow and ice that we had Monday uh, has been pretty crazy. But since Tuesday night, our family has been, our family of five has been staying with some friends of ours. And that has been amazing. Their hospitality and generosity has been uh, incredible. There have been some pretty cold nights. I don't know if you knew uh, out there. And so some of our friends that have been staying home are like, yeah, it was 42 degrees in my house. And I could see my breath as I was looking at my phone, you know, that, that kind of thing. So we're really grateful for that because... Man, we, uh, if we were on our own during this, we would not be better, and we, we would probably not be here this morning. You know, would not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. We would definitely be here to, this morning because we would need the electricity and the warmth uh, for sure. Just, just kidding. No, it's because we want to we wanna be together. And so, you know, it's amazing to me how when things like this happen, completely unexpected, Sunday, it was what, mid-60s? And then the next day, you have at our house nine, ten inches of snow. It, you don't necessarily expect that. And sometimes you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I don't really need anybody. I'm kind of living my life, that kind of thing, until something like that happens. And then there are trees down across the road, and neighbors are coming out with chainsaws and picking stuff up and helping, helping people. And uh, it's just amazing to see how that community comes together, and you really are. No, we need each other. We just can't go through life on our own. So it's pretty self-evident, really, that we need one another. At, at some point, even the most you know, isolated individual in life has somehow needed somebody at some point. I mean, they wouldn't exist without other people, right, to begin with. And so somewhere along the lines, we, we need someone. And last week in our introduction for this series, we talk about why we're invited into a communal faith rather than in an, in an individual one. And so why the church exists and why we're called to gather together uh, and celebrate who God is as a, as a uh, community rather than just as individuals. Uh, we can't live life devoid of relationship and we can't worship God devoid of relationship. But sometimes... That relationship can not go as well as we would like or we would expect. And so some of us can hear that and we say, sure, absolutely, I agree. Conceptually, we're better together. But what do I do when I feel like community has hurt more than it's helped? Maybe some of the relationships that you've had, friendships, family, coworkers, whatever, maybe sometimes you look back on that and what keeps you from getting into community or being friends with other people in a deep and meaningful way is because of the ways that you've been hurt in the past. And sometimes it just feels like it's easier to really be on my own. Over 18 years of ministry for me uh, and beyond has given me some of my most favorite life-giving relationships. But to be honest, it's also produced some of my most painful relationships. Sometimes it's a real challenge not to be driven by cynicism when, when that is the case. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about based on those experiences. I know, I, know I'm not, uh, I know I'm not alone in this, where all of us have somewhere along the line had a friendship where and, you know, everything was going fine, it was good, and then out of the blue, something changed, it was all over, and we're left wondering, what in the world happened? And the next time we have that friendship with someone else or we meet somebody new, we're a little bit more guarded. 
And then the next time, we're just a little bit more guarded. And then the next time, we're just a little bit more guarded. Uh, Sometimes to the point where we're just not willing to be vulnerable at all anymore because of the things that we've experienced in the past. Uh, You know, when we become adults, we are far removed from the neighborhood playground where you just go out and play. And whatever kid happens to be there and is on the swing with you, you're BFFs forever. You know, we're just not like that. The older we get, the more those relationships don't go the way that we want, the more guarded we get. The more suspicious about one another we become and less capacity for vulnerability that we have. So I know for some of us, we will acknowledge conceptually that we're better together, but maybe in practice, our attitudes and behaviors and the way that we interact with other people and develop friendships with others or don't develop friendships with others would suggest that we're better together only when it's absolutely necessary. Like when you don't have power for seven days and you need those linemen that are out there and you're so grateful and thankful for them. In the meantime, perhaps these sound and feel a little bit more familiar and comfortable. And so we have some benefits, even if we don't think about this consciously, subconsciously we think of some, some really good benefits for just being alone and going through life on our own. So here's, uh, we're going to talk about a few of those, and we're going to talk about what Scripture says in response to that. The first is this, I protect myself when I am alone. So when I'm not vulnerable with others, when I'm, when I'm not opening myself up to friendship, I can protect myself from being hurt by someone because I've been hurt in the past before. That could be true, but if it is, only to a certain point. Look, all of us have been hurt by someone else before. Every single one of us. Some of us absolutely more than others. But if my only path through life is to protect myself from the hurt others can produce, I also miss out on the opportunity for the help that being with others provides. Or more importantly, the help that we can provide others. And to be honest, from a biblical worldview, and, and this, is, this can be a pretty broad statement, so, so stick with me here. From a biblical worldview, I don't see a whole lot of emphasis for living life in such a way that we are primarily preoccupied by our own well-being. Our well-being is taken care of as a byproduct of living in a God-honoring way. And that, that can be a little bit different in how we live out our relationships with other people. And here's where I think we get this balance off kilter. As people of faith and faith in God, who is love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, deep down, when it comes to God's salvation of us, we, we know that we're getting away with something. And hopefully you're tracking with me when I, when I say this, because we know that the grace of God is not something that we deserve. We know his mercy and his forgiveness is love because of our sin, because of the way that we break our relationship with him and with each other. We really don't deserve those things from him, because we also know that God is a God of righteousness, holiness, and justice. And so sometimes, even as disciples of Jesus, when we enjoy that love and forgiveness and grace and mercy with us, we, we know that it's a little bit upside down from how we normally interact with other people. Because our default, our natural default, is to say, well, you know, because of our righteousness and holiness and justice, you know, of ourselves, not that we're holy and righteous, you know, but our sense of justice that we get from God because we're made in his image is really if somebody fulfills that in my life, you know, they meet my standards, then I can give them love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. I mean, that's just the natural way we work, and yet God has led the other way around. He allows his love and forgiveness and grace and mercy to fulfill his righteousness, holiness, and justice. And that's the thing that we get backwards with one another when we think, uh, if I stay separate from someone else, I can protect myself. I don't have to be with the hurt that they provide. And yet God steps into that hurt and that pain. We're the ones who broke the relationship with him, and yet he steps into that and repairs it. 
left to our own devices and on our own, we might feel safer and more protected, but that's only because our lives have been dulled by not fully living. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, we read this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And uh, literally, that phrase is sharpens the, uh, the face of his friend or the countenance of his friend. So what, what does that mean? You sharpen, sharpen the face of your friend. We're talking about the character and personality and the, our, our state of being and who we are. Um, who we are is shaped by the company that we keep. And if we only keep ourselves as our company, we're very limited in who we are and what we produce in our life and who God has called us to be. So while there surely be some painful moments along the way, the benefits of friendship and togetherness far outweigh the benefits of being alone and keeping ourselves from some pain will keep us from all the goodness that we're meant to experience with one another. Okay, so here's one other supposed benefit of, of, uh, of being alone. I get my way. All right, let's be honest with this. It can be exhausting to care about the thoughts and opinions of others constantly. Are you with, is that okay for me to say? As a pastor, it's okay? Okay. Sometimes it can be really tiring. I mean, let's admit, just between us, okay? It, it, that, can be, that can be tiring. And even more so, it can be tiring to be charitable when those thoughts and opinions don't get us what we want or what we need even. It's those moments somebody says, hey, let's go grab something to eat. And you're like, cool, you're, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be charitable. And this moment I'm going to say, you know, anywhere is good with me. And then they say that one restaurant that you're like, I hate that place. And how could anybody go eat there? Like, why, why would you ever choose that place? It's those moments that happen. People get in the way so much. I don't know if you have ever noticed that. Sometimes we just got to do what we want to do, not what other people want to do. And the more you get your own way, the nicer it can seem. All right? Oh, felt so good to get that out. Okay, we can, we can be honest this morning. But here's the thing. The reason why only getting our way all the time isn't better is it makes us selfish human beings, and it makes us oblivious to the way our life impacts the lives of others. And some of us know, you, know, you might have a picture of somebody in your, in your mind or think, think of somebody who's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's that person. Let's talk about the ugly side of self-care for, for a second as an example. When done in a healthy way, self-care produces a healthy rhythm of life regarding our work, play, and life balance relationship. Like that, that is a good thing. Good self-care, that's a healthy thing. When done in the pop culture meme fashion, and here, one of the things I really want to do this morning is actually show some examples from Facebook and Twitter and say, here's a pop culture self-care meme. But I, what I think would happen if I did that is I would deeply offend someone this morning because it might be something they posted, and I really don't want to do that. And so I'm just going to say, hey, we're all in this, in this together. Um, most of the time, those pop, pop culture meme you know, self-care things really just leads to selfishness. And that's really what is... Um, what the foundation of it is because it's built on something that is other than the character and nature of who God is and who he calls us to be. So there's this great, uh, here's this great Instagram. I don't really do this very much, but it, uh, actually maybe don't follow it or don't, don't look it up, but it's called the power of self-care and it's totally a spoof on these, these things like the self-care memes and stuff that, that you see. I just want to, I just want to read a couple of these because this is what I think every time I see some of those on social media. Everyone is struggling, but if you yell loud enough, you can drown out their stories with your own. <laughs> I, like, I like that one. Your mental health should be the priority no matter how many people you have to destroy along the way. 
Mm, that, that gets me deep. Uh, when you achieve complete self-obsession, objective reality becomes irrelevant. Isn't, isn't that a good one? Oh, not as much laughter on that one. Okay, we'll stop. We'll, maybe we're getting uncomfortable. That's okay. That's, right, we'll, I'll, I'll stop there. But man, I get a kick out of these. Always be hyper aware of anyone or anything that tells you to only focus on yourself or to spend your life on you. And, and that's it. You know, that, that, is, that is not what gets us to the kind of life that God calls us to or even the fulfilling life that actually cares and generates uh, good self-care in, in our lives. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, th- 3 and 4, uh, Paul writes this. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Yeah, that was right. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now you keep reading that chapter, Paul goes on to say, why? Because of who Jesus is. And look at what he does. He doesn't regard his equality as something to be grasped, but humbles himself, becoming a servant, even to death on the cross in our, in our lives. This may sound really controversial, but it is okay. I'm going to give you permission this morning. It is okay to not always get what you want. If you try sometimes, you can get what you need. In, in, that wasn't even in my notes. You're welcome. Uh, in fact, sometimes it's better for us not to get what we want, especially when we have the right people surrounding us. People who are not driven by self-interest make the people around them better and are their best selves. And that's the way of Jesus. That's what he calls us into. And with that Philippians chapter 2 passage in mind, here are a couple more pitfalls to thinking that are more benefits to being alone than being together. Here, here's the other, you know, quote-unquote benefit of being alone. No one, no one gets me. And so why, why bother? You know, because people just, don't, people just don't understand. How annoying is it when people can't read your mind? Are you, are you with me? I mean, there are so many things. I mean, I have, you know, my kids have lived with me for years. And I, my wife and I have been married for over 17. And it is amazing how they still cannot read my mind. And I'm, I'm shocked. They cannot anticipate my every need. And I just don't understand why that is the case. It gets on my nerves so much. That, that's often how it feels when we feel like no one gets us. People just don't understand what it's like to be me. And, and maybe not to a degree because not all of us have had the same exact life experiences. And I get that. However, we are not as unique as we might think. The fact is there are many people who can, and I know that's, that's countercultural, like, oh, everybody's special, and you, well, that means nobody is. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's a quote from a movie. Uh, you know, but we're, our life experience don't, d- does not keep us as separated from others as sometimes we are led to believe. The fact is there are many people who can relate with and empathize with us in what we've experienced. We've just got to open ourselves up and be vulnerable so people have the chance to get to know us so that they can share their shared life experience with us, to walk through things with us in in those things. When we don't do this, this is what it's like. This is uh, from Better Together by Rusty Rusty George. All of us are trapped in a self-imposed prison of isolation while we complain about being alone. When we live our lives guided by the idea that no one gets me. But the door is locked from the inside. So the solution for that is unlocking the door and letting people in who are knocking and who want to come in and who want to be, and, and even beyond that is to open the door and step out 
and be willing to be vulnerable and honest with others um, and spend more time maybe working on getting other people. And then we receive what we, what we give. Here's, an, here's another one, just two more, why it's better to be alone. I haven't found a person or a place that measures up. Um, and this is, this is a really tough one because we're, we're kind of pretty far along on our path to uh, being jaded about what's going on in, in our lives and how we think about other people and what we're assuming about other situations. Most of the time, we're not doing it very positively. And that's something that we should change in our life. You know who else felt like this? No one else or any other place can measure up? Thanos. Thanos felt like this. And for those of you that are, don't get that reference, just trust me that it's a really good one. It's a geeky one, but it's perfect for this situation. Everyone and everywhere is going to let you down at some point. I will let you down at some point. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. Maybe it's already happened a couple times. Your friends will let you down at some point. Your family will let you down at some point. Your coworkers, your boss, everybody is going to let you down at some point. Fellow disciples of Jesus are going to let you down at some point. Why? Two reasons. Nobody is perfect. And two, your standards aren't always reasonable or realistic. And here's why it's okay if you can't find anyone else to measure up to the level of friendship that you're looking for. You don't measure up either. And you could either take that as a, wow, wow you don't know me, bro. Yeah, you know, it's like, or, or you could take that as a comfort. Because we're not isolated in this, we're together in, in this. It seems to me that everyone I've come across who complains the most about no one else being able to measure up is always at the center of the problem, and therefore maybe they're the ones who are, are the problem. Here's how Jesus calls this out in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I love that imagery. Because uh, you got that plank in your eye, you're like turning around, you're smacking people in the face all the time. And look at that piece of sawdust. You know, you got a splinter right there. It's like, oh, smack. Okay. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all, there, all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. A perspective that is quick to point out the reasons why others aren't good enough for us develops a false sense of superiority that separates us from the very friendships and relationships that will be for us, be there for us when we don't measure up. It is so important that we have people in our lives that we have given permission to call us on our own junk, because if we don't, there are plenty of people who are willing to just watch us wallow in our own junk. Eventually, the benefits of being alone and self-assured about our own superlative nature brings us to a place of bitterness and cynicism in which we simply assert the reason why it's better to be alone is because everyone else is an idiot. Because it's true, right? I mean, that's sometimes how we feel. Doesn't that really get down to the core of how we are thinking about and treating others if we believe that the benefits of being alone are better than being together? It's living as if we think that if we controlled everybody else, and if I was able to make every decision for you in your life, man, the world would be so much better because my life is so perfect and I make all the great, right decisions. But that would never work because sometimes we are the idiots. And no, not everyone else is an idiot. Only some people are. Boom goes the dynamite. And we're going to need to deal as charitably as we can with them 
just as we want others to assume the best of us when we are not guided by our cynicism and we open ourselves up in vulnerability to friendship, we receive the same in return. In one of the books of wisdom in the Old Testament, King Solomon, who spent his entire life de devoting himself uh, to, and his, his life and his mind devoting himself to making observations about the world and collecting them in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's, he writes this when it comes to whether or not it was better to be alone or together. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. He says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Especially if your house is 42 degrees. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And why do we pity the one who falls and has no one else to help them up? Because eventually when we're on our own, we give up long before our actual strength gives out. We go further better together than we ever do when we're going it on our own. Not just figuratively either. I mean, you can look at health reports. I mean, just do a quick Google on how loneliness affects, you know, being alone affects our health. Um, there are some estimates and reports that suggest that loneliness and how it impacts our personal health when we're deeply alone and have no relationships with anybody, it's akin to, uh, um, it has a greater risk factor for premature mortality than obesity and is com comparable to the risk of smoking. More important than a health risk though, it's a spiritual risk for us. The more alone we are in our thoughts about God and the development or, or even doubt in our faith, the more we're shaped by our own limitations rather than formed by the godly men and women who are meant to be walking along in faith alongside of us. And so when you read Ecclesiastes verse four, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, in that light, if you were to go back and kind of look through, look through your Bible, we accomplish more and better things in this life and for the life to come when we are working and serving together. So you put, the, put this in a Disciples of Jesus context when we read the, this wisdom writing from, from King Solomon. When we stumble and struggle, we need the accountability and grace of one another to keep going. Because even when we fall, we can go so much further better when we have people that are there to pick us up. And that's what we do for one another. When it comes to fully experiencing what love is, we cannot accomplish that in isolation from friendship. Okay. Sometimes I think, when we, you know, when we talk about this, we're thinking, oh, well, I need to find my soulmate, or I need, you know, find, uh, you know, that, that one person I want to spend the rest of my life. No, we're, we're talking about something even more important than, than that. We're talking about friendship, something that's going to last with us for an eternity. When it comes to fighting against the brokenness of sin and evil, we are much more easy to conquer and to be picked off when we are alone and separate from each other than when we are with God and with others who pray for us, who encourage us, who serve with us, who celebrate with us, and who protect one another. Uh, consider the Trinity and God's commun communion and community with the Son and the Holy Spirit. It, you know, God doesn't create us because he was lonely. He created us because he knew that being with him and being together is so much better than not existing. It, it was just too good for him not to share with us. 
He opens himself up to our pain and our bitterness and things that we cause him, you know, because of our sin. And why does he put himself through this? Because being together with him is greater than never having that opportunity. And the same is said about us and our togetherness in Christ. We are better together because the love of God gives us is too good to not share. And we don't fully experience that life when, uh, that love when it isn't shared in our lives. And so we take the risk. We open ourselves up. We become vulnerable to friendship over protecting ourselves. And it is never too late for any of us to do this. All of us can do this. And the church is meant to be the place where you can do this more than any other place in our lives. We soften our cynicism and our bitterness toward others. So that as we gather together with the people of God, we are strengthened and encouraged to enjoy the love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that God informs his righteousness and holiness and his justice in life. And we share in community so that we have the capacity to share with others who need that same community. It's not okay to go it alone. And we never have to with Jesus. And we never have to as disciples of Jesus who are with disciples of Jesus. If there are moments in your life, or, or maybe th this morning, where you're questioning that, and you're questioning your faith, or you're questioning what it means to begin this type of relationship with God through Jesus, um, well, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as, as a church. No perfect people allowed. No one stands alone. Everyone's story matters. And so I invite you to grab me out in the lobby or go to velocitychurch.info, like Sarah mentioned, and uh, send, us, send us a message. We would love to talk with you about what that looks like. Uh, for the rest of us, for all of us who are disciples of Jesus, here's our challenge this week. If you struggle with any of these issues of thinking maybe subconsciously, I'm probably better off alone in this, um, and you think that's better because you're not getting what you need from somebody else in that category or in that thing, here's my challenge for us. Go and do that thing for somebody else. So the thing that you feel like, oh, this is the thing I'm missing in relationship and in friendship with someone else. I don't have anybody providing that for me. Flip the script. Follow, follow how God treats us. And go do that thing for someone else. And you will be surprised as you become more consistent with that in your life. How deeply uh, formed and deeply changed your friendships and relationships with others will be. So, so maybe you're thinking, you know, nobody has called me this week, or nobody's texted me, you know, nobody, nobody's reached out to me. Go do that in, for somebody else this week um, and see how that changes things for you in your life um, and keeps you from, from being and going at it alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, your ever-indwelling presence in us through your Holy Spirit um, that, that even... Um, when we are physically separated from other people, we, we're still not alone. God, we thank you for um, the, the communal relationship that the church brings, that even when we are physically um, not together with each other, we are still not alone. And God, help us to have the wisdom to see how that is the case, how we still connect with each other, how we still reach out with each other, how we stay in relationship with others, and how that changes um, not only our life experience here on this earth, but it changes how we look forward toward eternity and how we are able to invite others into something that is so much greater than we could ever experience if we were just left on our own. God, we praise you for this. Uh, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, who makes this type of community possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.